again, guys. Welcome to the podcast that I call Left at the Light. Uh, welcome to another episode. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm the host of the show. Uh, we are closing in on the end of season five, which uh, is exciting but sad in a way. But we got more episodes coming in season six. I am plugging away at getting people onto the uh, show and getting those episodes recorded. Um, I can safely say I am one short, I'm just looking at my list here, one short of being halfway recorded through the season. So um, it's coming together. On that note, as I always tell you, if you listen to the intro, give me a uh, email. You can message me on Facebook. Uh, through Left at the Light, the Facebook page. Getting a lot of traction on the Facebook page lately, which is awesome. Um, but check it out. You can message me there, or you can email me at leftatthelightpod at gmail.com and let me know who you want to hear from. What businesses are out there that look exciting to you, that are new, that are fun, that um, are maybe hidden away? That's what we're looking for. So I want to get out there. I want to talk to those places and those people and get their story about, hey, why did you open this business? What and what led you to doing this? And and in some cases, um, why here? Why Crystal Lake? Why McHenry? Or um, in the uh, instance of the Stacy and Jordan who were about to talk to at Hempstock, why Woodstock? And um, I mean, and they're they're closest to uh, Woodstock, like downtown and everything like that. But they are they are a little bit out there. So. Um, yeah, so that, that's what we do. We, we look for the who, why, what, when, where, how, all those questions that uh, we try to get the answers for. Um, some great stories have been told this season. Um, I'm just going to kind of look back a little bit as I'm flipping my page to the wrong page for the information. <laughs> um, but yeah, we talked to uh, quite a few people this season that just had really kind of cool um stories um plantspiration uh toby's fun um last week lisa i apologize apologize if i say your name wrong lisa gennady i believe that's right um i kind of like when we did that episode consciously avoided saying her last name <laughs> and just because i didn't want to screw it up and then either have to like take it out or just own my mistake in <laughs> one of the two um but yeah so we are um, two away, two episodes away. We got this episode with Stacy at Hempstock and also Jordan. Um, I'm trying to remember offhand as I'm just recording the intro right now how much um, Jordan was on the episode. I don't really remember. Um, but uh, Jordan was a big part of uh, this episode and really just bringing it together. Um, and uh, I, I believe she does talk a little bit. But then we got one more, um, the last episode of the season. Um, I'll tell you about that one a little bit. Um, at the end of this episode. Um, but for now, I'm going to turn it over to myself and Stacy, and we're going to tell you about Hempstock. Uh, rather, she's going to tell you about Hempstock. I'm going to sit back and just ask easy questions. All right. We'll see you at the end of the episode, guys. Enjoy. Okay. So, Stacy, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you. Good, good. So I'm here uh, with you at Hempstock Farms, um, and I, I think everyone kind of knows the gist. We don't need to get into it too much, like right off the bat, but um, we'll just kind of 
um, start off, tell me about your history um, and kind of leading up to how we ended up here Here. in the middle of like Nowhere Woodstock and and Hempstock Farms. (laughs) And Hempstock Farms. Yeah, no problem. Um, My name is Stacey McCaskill at Hempstock Farms. I founded it in 2019. Um, I used to be a a counselor or an advisor for the Small Business Development Center in Dixon, Illinois. Okay. And Rachel Berry and her husband walked into my office in 2018 and said, Hemp is going to be made legal in Illinois. We've mm-hmm. been working on it, and we want to start some kind of hemp association to help farmers um, determine whether this opportunity is right for them mm-hmm. and to get into hemp. So I helped her and her husband found the Illinois Hemp Growers Association, and then we started rolling out training across the state and had done dozens of workshops for farmers. I had um, several dozen uh, farmers that were that became my clients, and then mm-hmm. I was working with them on business plans and that kind of thing to incorporate hemp into their, most of them were corn and soy operations. Yeah, um, A handful of them were like kind of specialty crop farmers. And so that was my introduction to hemp. And all the research, you know, I put tons of research into that opportunity so that I can provide the right counseling or consultation to these farmers. Um, I wasn't a farmer myself. I I had, my background is I I was, I've been a business professor for over 15 years. Okay. And, um, and then I have a huge international business background. I lived and worked in China. I've been all over the globe working and teaching. Okay. And um, so that's kind of like my more businessy background right. than a farming background <laughs> per se, um, but it's I really owe it to Rachel Berry, and um, I just want to give a shout out to the Illinois Hemp Growers Association, and um, that's how I got into it. So we started. My wife saw this property in 2019, mm-hmm. and um, she really liked it because of the beauty and the setting and Woodstock. We've always loved Woodstock. We were coming from Rockford. Okay. And um, she loves the horses and all that, and so we got it in 2019, and we put in our first seedlings that first year Okay. and began growing. Um, for the first couple of years, we sold our shop was in the laundry room on the back of our... 100 year old farmhouse that's here on the property and um, I literally laid um, product out on our washer and dryer and that's how we sold for the first two years oh wow yeah and then we built this barn um, and a hemp buddy of mine and um, also a hemp farmer and my cousin and I like pounded every nail in this shop in this two stories we built this whole thing out yeah um and so, I don't know, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in building this property uh, yeah. to get us Pro- to the point yeah, prob- where we probably are some today. Blood and aches yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you so you had a, a pretty large business background before coming into this. Right. Uh, yeah. So you said international business. Yeah. Um, and then you helped them found the hemp growers association. Yeah. yeah. Um that, that's uh, for, number one, I didn't even know there was a hemp growers association. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you said they, they just sought an opportunity. And just kind of brought it to you. Yeah, they they um, the berries um, were you know they were organic and kind of uh, you know kind of local food as medicine and you know all 
you know, just kind of the trend of like buy local, mm -hmm. let's create a sustainable future together, you know, let's heal our land, you know, it's all that kind of approach. And they just are super passionate about the potential of hemp, um, both in fiber, food and cannabinoids to kind of heal our planet. Mm -hmm. um, and just we're working so passionately without compensation yeah. um, to um, persuade legislators and just to work on rallying people to get um, the laws passed so that we could start growing hemp in Illinois again. Okay. So just a very much um, kind of a farming-based approach and looking at our history in Illinois, we were one of the top hemp-producing uh, states in the nation um, before it was banned mm -hmm. um, and the whole war on drugs kind of misstep in the United States. So there's, there is just a lot of potential and fibers really coming on now in Illinois. Um, we'll never get into fiber. We don't have enough land. We're a 13 acre farm. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, you know, we're just positioned really well to be cannabinoid farmers, outdoor, um, all organic cannabinoid farmers. Um, but we don't have enough land to be a, a fiber. Okay. Farmer. Yeah. Um, so uh, when <clears throat> when did it all get banned? So it got banned after you know after World War II. It was actually um, the country was encouraging people to grow hemp, encouraging farmers to grow hemp in world, uh, for the war effort, mm -hmm. um, and it was used for everything. Um, just. You know, I don't want to get into all the history of hemp, you know, kind of go Google that stuff. But, you know, Henry Ford made panels out of it um, for his cars. I mean, there, it's just it had such a robust marketplace until the whole war on drugs in the 70s. OK, so I'm not sure what that exact date was yeah. when, you know, when uh, that whole war was initiated. Um, I think it was before I was born. I was born in 1965. So I'm, I'm not sure about the date of all that. But um yeah, I think a big, huge misstep, and um, mm. we're quite behind the rest of the world on utilizing hemp um, fiber and setting up the infrastructure that's needed to yeah. to do fiber and stuff. So, so when, when all when Elmo was able to grow hemp again, what, did that coincide with uh, the marijuana laws getting passed? Or was no, it separate? it's completely disparate from it. It's completely separated from anything to do with marijuana. Okay. Um, Marijuana, all you know, when marijuana was legalized for both medical and recreational in Illinois, that happened at a different date um, than when it happened for hemp. Um, it has a whole separate, different um, uh, regulating bodies over marijuana versus uh, hemp. Although the Department of Agriculture is involved, um, but they're they're just a whole separate animal. They pay separate taxes. They're regulated differently. They have to grow differently. Um, mm -hmm. All their grow has to be controlled indoor grow. Um, for hemp and um, you know hemp cannabis and and hemp grown for CBD cannabinoids and non psychoactive producing cannabinoids, um, that can be grown outdoors. And so a lot of people do grow their cannabinoids outdoors and not in a grow house or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about um, just from the point of where you said, all right, you know, there, there's this opportunity with hemp to um, coming into owning your own property here and yeah. deciding to go ahead. Hey, let's do this. Yeah. You know, because I, I imagine at the time that it was um, because it was probably, you know, new for everybody that it was kind of 
maybe there are a lot of opportunity, but also like a slow start, so to yeah. speak, or something, or just getting the word out. Right. So tell me about that journey a little bit. I Well, I think there was tremendous risk involved in the beginning. Um, I, even when, one of the, when I was advising other farmers that were thinking about getting into it, um, even uh, the Illinois Hemp Growers Association encouraged people like start small, you know, see if this is something you want to do, really kind of understand it. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think of hemp and they think of the, the, uh, the, the farm bill of 2018, which launched this, uh, legalization of, of hemp across the United mm -hmm. States. Um, because basically the farm bill allowed states to create their own administrative structures to regulate the growth of hemp in their individual states. Mm -hmm. So then the states had to come up with laws that would align with the federal law. Yeah. And so that took some time. So um, every state, as far as like where they are on their path to legalization of growing hemp and what kind of cannabinoids they can grow and whether it's fiber or it's food and all that kind of stuff, it's all based on like state by state, mm -hmm. but is under federal too. It's a little yeah. complicated. Um, as, it, as it gets with things yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyways, th those are totally separate. And then finally, Illinois, we, in 2019 is when we passed our uh, regulation that aligned with the farm bill. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was the first year that we could do hemp okay. in Illinois. Yeah. Right. Um, so did you guys just decide, hey, this is what we're going to do and then start looking for properties or was it more of a... Uh, I mean no, it was It was really, it's all my wife's fault. She's, she's a veterinarian in Crystal Lake and okay. we were living in Rockford and she um, was driving by this property frequently on her way to and from work. Okay. And um, we had always wanted to get a, a farm and a horse property had always been a dream, her lifelong dream since okay. she was like six years old. Yeah. And... Um, she saw this property and she said, can we afford to buy that property? And I said, will you allow me to become a hemp farmer? Yeah. <laughs> and so we agreed and we, we decided to buy the property and, and start farming. Was hemp. it that easy of a decision? It, it really was. I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. You know, I've, I've, I've launched and um, moved on from multiple businesses. Mm -hmm. And I was, I mean, Rachel really lit a fire under me. I was so excited to learn about the opportunity of cannabis um, and industrial hemp, um, yeah. and I just got—I don't know—I was—I just enjoyed meeting all these farmers and the, like so many different stories. And um, as I was learning, you know, uh, seeing what was happening in the industry, I just—I just thought it was a really great. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of interest. Mm -hmm. This property was positioned so close to a city center and a really busy kind of place. Yeah. So um, I have a lot of hemp farmer buddies who are also trying to do a seed to label operation, but their farms are like way out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and they're not like close to a city center or, you know, they can, they can do farm stands too, but it's just like people have to drive so far to get to them and stuff. So um, this p property is just like, geographically it's just positioned to kind of support this kind of thing i think yeah i, yeah. I you know in the beginning i was kind of joking about like nowhere yeah, woodstock, yeah. but it's it's actually not that far from no woodstock you know like proper downtown whatever you want to call it so we're um, like a mile and a half from yeah. the square yeah 
And um, so it's like, it's not even like it has to be a trip out to the country. But I'll tell you what, we get tons of clients that drive. Yesterday, we had um, one client that drew 45 minutes to come out and just explore. She just yeah. wanted to, like a consultation. And um, we get people that drive in from the, from Chicago all the time. Mm-hmm. We get people that drive down from um, Wisconsin. Um, of course, we get people from Iowa <laughs> that come over. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people will make a trip, but it, the location is super convenient. And we've got a very robust um, local customer base, I think, here in Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you first started out, you said it was 2019, correct? Yeah. When you started out, it's yeah. it probably a terrible time to start a business. <laughs> it wasn't super smart, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of people, it. a yeah. lot of people ran into that. You yeah. know, um, I'm just doing the podcast, like I was telling you before we started. That's roughly around the time I started this. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a lot easier to like for people to say yes at that time to do the podcast right. because it was like, well, we need to get our name out somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. But t- tell me about the, some of the challenges of that. Or was it just like a lot of growing season or? No, I mean, basically the way we started from the beginning was um, we put the seedlings in in May. You know, obviously we, it, we're we growing hemp outdoors. So it's, um, it's one harvest per season. Mm-hmm. We weren't going to be able to have raw materials to make product with until um fall of 2019 okay so in may what i did is because i knew all these hemp farmers and had done all this research and stuff i knew several hemp farmers in wisconsin they had legalized a year before us and um we're literally like we had almost modeled all the training that i did a lot of the training that we did um and just a, a lot of the advice that we got, we solicited it from Wisconsin farmers, especially here in Woodstock. We're right across the state line mm-hmm. from Wisconsin. Very similar cli- uh, climate, um, very similar economic environment. Um, so they they were a great model for us and a huge help for um, hemp farmers and CBD growers um, to help us figure out you know, what to do and where to go with this whole market because they had that year on us. Um, So I straight away went across the border and bought um, CBD hemp from a farm over there and um, started making products that year. Okay. Um, So I think we started selling products maybe June, July, as early as that. Okay. Wow, that's pretty Um, quick then. And I started developing my product line, all my recipes, um, kind of refining that and developing, you know, what our initial product lineup was going to be. And then, um, we got our first, our own grow in September. And then from September on, we, um, started utilizing our own, our own, uh, oil that we extracted from what we grew here. Um, but I, I think, um, the reason that we went, Um, You kind of said, you know, like jumping into it or whatever. But the reason we went for cannabinoid hemp to grow hemp for cannabinoids is because that was really the only path down hemp that I thought I had enough experience for. Okay. You know, I had run community gardens before. Um, I, you know, I, I never grew marijuana before, but I knew people who did, you know, like people in their basement and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so it seemed doable to me as far as the, um, horticultural side of the seed to label business. I felt like that was something I could, I could learn or employ the right partners 
to like do a successful grow. Yeah. And then the rest of it, like I felt I had the skill sets for that. Okay. And that we could do a good job of, um, I had always been, I mean, I love cooking. I'd been a short order cook before when I was going to college and yeah. stuff. So, um, I grew up on a farm. We, you know, we grew, had our own garden and it was kind of a hobby farm, small, small mm -hmm. little farm. But, um, so, and we, you know, we did canning and we, you know, we made jams and tinctures and, you know, mm -hmm. we were hillbillies. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, I knew how to like, you know, be a witch doctor. I knew how to like create <laughs> all this stuff, you know, and um, mix recipes together and kind of figure stuff out. So I think I did, I think it was just that kind of hillbilly growing up, knowing how to cook um, and uh, having an interest in that. I think, you know, you have that combined with my wife's a veterinarian and she's got, you know, super sciencey background um, and, and microbiology and her background's in there. Um, so I don't know, just bringing all that together, I felt like it was the perfect, it was kind of the perfect storm of just the opportunity being presented yeah. and that being a new thing that was kind of blowing up and not a lot of people had the connections to really get into it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that um, from, from what I've heard so far is that you really just had a good, uh, solid footing to start um, and um, I, people to help you as well. Like you said, the people over the border to really kind of bounce things off of. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how was the first grow that you did here? Um, how well did that turn out? Was it was it difficult? or it was, Because it was brand new. It's been so. a series of disasters. <laughs> no, we've done really well. Um, but the first year was a challenge. I think um, uh, I had some help that was um, that were like really good at growing five, 10 plants, mm -hmm. but not knowing how to take that skill set to a 3000 plant grow. It's yeah. a different, it's a different animal. Yeah. You know, so that was, a, there was a lot of like a kind of like learning there of like, how do you go from this local craft thing where you're like, you know, you're singing to the plant and you're, you know, giving it the beautiful lights and playing mm -hmm. music to it and stuff. Do you to do that? Have like no, like the like crazy <laughs> marijuana people do. Oh, okay. You know, like in their basements, they like you know. They, I'm just saying, it's kind of like if you only have five or ten plants, you can give so much love to that plant. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be checking it every day, and you're like, you know, clipping it and feeding it, and you know, singing to. It. I'm just, it's just that like you don't have when you do a scale production, you can't afford to put that much time into the thing. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, you throw the kids out there and it's like, you know, if they get, if they're scrappy enough, they'll grow and be adults and be productive. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we need is kind of a scrappy grow, you know, in the sense yeah. that you can't put that much attention into it. Now, well, you could put some speakers out there. Yeah, that's Cos right. Cosby Stills Nash, you know, <laughs> that's great. That, that, maybe, maybe we'll do that this year. That's a good <laughs> idea. That'd be awesome. Um, but we do, I mean, we, we, everything's done by hand. I mean, we we're out there with hose and stuff, you know, working mm -hmm. on the, the weeds and that kind of thing. We walk the field and look for pests and we'll like manually pull pests off and stuff. We do invite, um, volunteers and visitors and tourists or whatever to come out to the farm and we'll show them how to top plants, what to look for, um, what kind of pests to look for out there and to, um, 
uh, we'll even, if they're interested, we'll even give them like um, bottles of like soapy water that they could spray onto the plants if they see any pests, you know, okay. that kind of thing. So we'll teach them, especially topping is super helpful. Um, we'll teach them how to do that. And we give volunteers all the time that'll stop by and walk the field and help us with that. Yeah. So we're really, I mean, we really, really invite that. We want that. Um, we want people to have the experience of interacting with the plant and seeing it. We're, you know, we're working on destigmatizing it. It shouldn't be thought of as any different than growing mint or chives or oregano. It's mm -hmm. just another plant that can, essential oils can be <laughs> extracted yeah. and it can be utilized in different ways in different kinds of medicines and yeah. additives. I, so. I do want to touch on it a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about the volunteers and stuff too, but yeah. um, while we're, while we're sitting right on it, um, some of the products that are available with, with hemp, tell me about some of the stuff you guys offer. Yeah. So again, we we're growing hemp for cannabinoids. So we're growing hemp for medicine basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we know that CBD uh, has, has anecdotally been reported to help with a lot of things, mm -hmm. including sleep, anxiety, stress, um, just uh, your general immune system. Uh, we make a product called Cannaburn. It's tetrahydrocannabivarian. It's a hemp-derived minor cannabinoid that helps um, control cravings. Uh, people are using it for weight loss and for okay. energy right now. It does give you a lot of energy. It's called Weederol. That's like a, <laughs> okay. uh, a uh, slang term for the THCV. Um, I've lost over 35 pounds on it so far oh, wow. on the Cannaburn. But, um, so we make that product. Um, so basically we grow a low THC, high non-psychoactive cannabinoids, whether that's CBD, CBG, CBN, those are some of the common um, strains that you can buy that are high in that, those particular cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. All of these to be considered industrial hemp have to be below 0.3% THC Delta 9, which is the psychoactive cannabinoid that... Okay. Occurs in really all cannabis, all mm. hemp, um, that psychoactive cannabinoid occurs. If it's above 0.3%, then it's considered marijuana. It's gotcha. a regulated class one drug. If it's below 0.3%, it's considered industrial hemp and is unregulated mm -hmm. um, uh, as marijuana. It's regulated as industrial hemp. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the divining difference. Mm -hmm. And so our big focus here is make sure that our product does not go over that 0.3% when we grow it. <laughs> and we how do you are, do that? We are, well, you, it's uh, genetics and really having good genetic seed partners and making sure you trust them and um, they're giving you good genetics to start off with. Okay. Not letting the plant grow too late into the season. Um, the later that you, the, the longer that you allow your plant to grow, the, the cannabinoids climb throughout the gotcha. season. Okay. So you just want to make sure, you know, you want a high CBD, but you don't want the CBD so high that then the THC is too high. Yeah. Um, the state does test us every year and then, um, and they, they're actually doing physical audits on all the farms this year. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, so they will test that product and if it is hot, uh, we will be required to destroy it. Yeah. So, um, it's a risk, you know, this is a very risky business to get into because, yeah. uh, the, the regulations are not all kind of straightened out quite yet, but, um, uh, you know, even if we were to lose a crop one year that, you know, that would be 
it would be okay. It wouldn't destroy us or anything. I mean, it would be a huge financial hit, obviously. Yeah. But um, we've uh, been fully compliant so far, and we've been able to grow really nice, um, very cannabinoid-rich uh, plants here. Okay. Yeah. McHenry County Living has proudly shared great local stories and events for 16 years. If you haven't already, cruise over to McHenryCountyLiving.com and see what we're all about. Be sure to also follow us on social media. McHenry County Living is a proud sponsor of Left at the Light. Customers, they come here. You guys don't have like a brick and mortar or anything like that? This is our brick and mortar. This is it? Yeah, okay. this is it. And then um, we also have an aggressive uh, outreach program, mm -hmm. I would say. We do three farmer's markets a week. Um, I think we're considering adding one more this year. So we would be doing four farmer's markets a week. Okay. Um one of those is running uh, year-round right now in Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin. Um, we have a, we call it the Cannabus. It's a ProMaster van that mm -hmm. is uh, decked out as a mobile store. Um, you walk up into it. It's yeah. got stairs and you walk up into it. And then you can, it has all our products in there and you can shop and, and buy from the van. We take that out probably 40, 45 weeks out of the year doing um, anywhere from a one-day festival to a five, six-day okay. uh, fair, like a yeah. county fair or something like that. Um, and then our strategy with that is that we, we have some legacy um, events that we do that we do really well at and we want to support because we're, we feel connected to that community in some way. Mm -hmm. um, Pride Fest every year in Woodstock is one of those. Yep. We're a gay-owned business, so that's um, important to us to support that community. Yeah. And they support us hugely as well. Um, we do the um, uh, the what's the fair Waukesha and the Waukegan fairs, okay. um, county fairs in Wisconsin, and we've got a huge following up there. So we nice. like consistently do those every year, but. We try to add new things all the time. We try to get into new communities um, where maybe we're not normally circulating so that um, we can diversify our base of people Yeah. And, um, and just reach communities that maybe we don't normally circulate in. Um, one of the strategies we re recently added that was weddings. So we started doing oh, wedding okay. expos nice. and doing weddings for people. Um, Specifically to calm the bride down. Maybe. Yeah. Both, <laughs> everything. Yeah. The, even the father-in-law who has to pay for everything. Oh, there you right? go. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we do, uh, we just try to do really eclectic festivals and fairs and that kind of thing. You know, we're, um, we're next weekend we're doing, um, we're hosting a smoking lounge at a like, Gar Jerry Garcia, Grateful Dead kind of fest weekend. Yeah, that fits, yeah. Yeah, and if you think um, if you think beer tent, this is like the smoking tent. Okay. Yeah, so we're we're hosting a jacuzzi smoking lounge over that festival, and it's just you know Springfield. We're you know we're pretty far from Springfield, so yeah. we're trying to build a customer base down there so that we can begin distribution um, to some uh, shops down there mm -hmm. we'd like to make that a distribution hub um so we're down there doing festivals and fairs yeah. and doing outreach so that we can build our customer base down there so that's kind of our our method for growth is that we want to go into um 
it's either a geographic community or we'll target um, psychographically or we'll target um, ethnically or, uh, you know, um, you know, whatever group you, that you might identify with, like a, like a affinity group, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's like, um, people who enjoy jazz or people like a GLBT community or African American community or Hispanic community, or, you know, it's just I've, like, I'm a white gay woman. And like, you tend to associate with people who are exactly like you. Right. And unless you are intentional in trying to diversify the people that you interact with, mm -hmm. um, you can be very kind of mono focused in like the business that you build, the people that work for you, the customers that you have. It can be very like homogeneous. Yeah. You know, and um, we're trying to be intentional about being like just a really cool, eclectic tapestry of super different people, mm -hmm. different income levels, you know, different identities. And I think we're really successful at it. I think it's really cool. If you hung out in the shop for a week, you would be amazed at the diversity of people that we get here. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I would bet so honestly, um, <laughs> just because I think this is something you know two years ago, which is a huge opportunity, is becoming more uh, familiar, especially. And this is kind of what I was thinking about too, uh, as you're just telling me your story a little bit, is that. Um, there's a large growth of like CBD all over the place. Like you see it in gas stations. Like, I don't know if I'd buy it from a gas yeah, station, but right. you know, it's kind of like anything you buy from a gas station, you get what you pay for. Right, it. But right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of shops now that sure. sell CBD. Um, and so that leads me into like, what is the difference between coming here to Hempstock farms yeah. and going to, um, I, I don't even know the names of anything, yeah. but something, you know, that sells it. Some just selling shop like main street. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's so complicated for the consumer. I I really feel for them right now. Yeah. I mean, um, even even if you look at Amazon, like everybody goes to Amazon is like, a, let me go see what's on Amazon, figure mm. this out. Well, Amazon doesn't allow CBD on their website, but go Google CBD and like a bajillion listings will come up. Yeah, and um, and then what happens is what people do is on the labeling instead of saying CBD, they say hemp oil. Mm -hmm. And then um, they do that so that uh, uh, the Amazon's algorithms won't catch them and shut down their business. Gotcha. Because they're not humans looking at it. It's all computers, yeah. algorithms that are trying to catch this stuff. And so I actually talked. I was doing um, training for other small business development center directors in California. And I was training them on how to, how to counsel hemp farmers. Um, I was doing a conference out there. And I actually met the Amazon guy that okay. was like in charge of this area. Yeah. And I said, why, like this is super confusing. You need to shut down these companies that are on your website because you're saying hemp oil and our customers are already super confused. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's compounding the confusion. And um, he says, we're shutting them down as fast as we can. Like we have an algorithm and it automatically shuts these companies down every day. Mm -hmm. And they just go on and pop up another one. So there are, you know, in any new industry that opens up that was closed before. I mean, I'm sure that we saw this after Prohibition. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to get people that are going to rush in to try to capitalize on this new legalization and on the demand that's there for this medicine. Yeah. 
And so there are a lot of bad players out there that are trying to reach customers with inferior products and they're trying to cash in on this like super quick. Um, so we do feel for the consumer and that's one of the things that we um, really pride ourselves on is we do not have like a big online marketing outreach. We want our new customers come to us uh, by meeting us face to face. So we're either going into their communities, we're going into their you know groups, we're talking to them face to face, answering questions. I mean, things as simple as like, what's the difference between marijuana and hemp? What's the difference between CBD and CBG? What's the difference between THC and CBD? Mm -hmm. Most people don't even know any of this stuff. Yeah. You know, and they're just trying stuff because they heard that it's good for them. And they're just, you know, they're struggling with these issues that aren't being solved, you know, mm -hmm. anxiety, stress, sleep, whatever. And they're trying to solve all these things, just kind of grasping at answers and um, we're just here trying one person at a time saying, here's this real story. We do make a quality product that can help you. Give it a try. If it works for you, we would love you know, to, be, to provide this for you long term. Yeah. And that's how we're slowly building our customer base is that one-on-one -on -one education, talking to people face-to-face. -face. So like, no pun intended, you guys are literally like, like grassroots. <laughs> literally grassroots. Literally grassroots. And the way that we're scaling it is we're trying to scale it by adding more events, mm -hmm. by bringing in more people who are as passionate as us, who can represent Hempstock Farms and the quality of our products and the way that we interact with our customers and the respect that we give to them. Um, when we find people who, have, who are that right fit, We'll add them as um, like they'll be going out and doing farmers farmers markets, kind of yeah. like, almost like a farmers market franchise kind of thing. Um, so that's you know that's the way that um, that we see it scaling versus going on and launching some kind of big internet campaign or some big Facebook campaign or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. All right, so we had to, we had to pause for a customer real quick. But um, Jor Jordan made a good point while I was not recording, and she also I complimented because she did a very good job of helping him out for what he needed. So, go go ahead. And I'm just gonna make you repeat what you just said. So I I just feel like part of what sets Hempstock Farms aside from all of these other you know big CBD companies and these huge corporations is, you know, we pride ourselves on being a seed to label company. So we're growing the product here. These products are formulated by the owner. We're making these products in shop. And then we're taking the time to meet with each customer individually and ask them what their needs are and get a feel for who they are and what they're looking for. And by knowing exactly what's in our product, um, it's, we're able to zone in and help them for their specific needs and yeah it's just it's, it's a really cool thing i uh people love that though they love that we're genuine about it they trust us we've built this bond with them uh really getting to know them because we're passionate about what we do so they feel comfortable and love that one-on-one -on -one experience and really feel that they're getting the help that they're looking for yeah. mm -hmm. And I, you mentioned the guest book too, and I did see that from a distance. So I was wondering mm -hmm. what it said in there. 
you should take a look at it. It's just, it's really neat to hear the things people say. I got a message on Facebook, uh, our, our Hempstock Facebook page, and it was just somebody raving about me and how happy they were that they met me and how helpful I was. And it's just like, that's why I'm here. Like, I love CBD. I love its benefits, and I love teaching people about it. So just being able to share that passion and then see people's responses to how they feel mm -hmm. towards us and towards Hempstock Farms and our products is just, it's great feedback and it's a great reminder like, hey, look at the appreciation we're getting for sending out into the world what we love doing and what yeah. it, what it's all about, yeah. you know? It's yeah. cool. Yeah, and I, I really too, and just with the experience, um, the customer you just had, I mean, it's, you're helping somebody out with something that they, you know, are looking for an answer for so mm -hmm. that's that's pretty cool yeah it's a very rewarding job yeah yeah i actually got a package in the mail the other day um something was faulty a product that i had sent out to somebody and i said go ahead ship it back i'll send you a prepaid pre label and package center a new one mm -hmm. and we got it back in the mail and stacy's like did you send crystals to somebody with a cartridge or something and i'm like what are you talking about and this girl who I met maybe two months ago, um, she sent me crystals in this package and then she sent me a little text message and was just like, you touched my heart. I hope you know, like you made a stranger's day. You made a difference in my life. I hope these crystals make you feel good. And it was just super cute. Super so the cute. fact that like our customers take the time out of their day yeah. to make our day is just, right. it's amazing. It is amazing. And she didn't even need to return that. It, it's so funny. Like we very rarely have failed products, but yeah. we do hundred percent stand by anything that we sell. And we've like, without question, we'll return anything and fix, make what right, you know, anything right. So this was just a super rare thing. That was the first one that ever failed on us yeah. in like three years. And we just told her, no problem, we'll just send you another one. So we right away sent her another one. Yeah. And then we get that in the mail back. Like, it was so unnecessary and That's so welcome. It's so thoughtful. Yeah, so thoughtful. Just... And it's just so neat. We've really, um, you know, once we have a customer, I feel like they're customers for life. First year that we grew, we decided when we went to Harvest, we decided we would invite our family, friends, and customers that we had met throughout the year and um, just do a community harvest um, and just invite people to come help us do it. So we didn't pay anybody. We just had kind of a, a, a quote unquote potluck. Yeah. And um, people brought, you know, dishes. It was like a big picnic. And um, mm -hmm. we put, people brought dishes to share and we went out and harvested. And it was, it was super easy. That first year we only did 3,000 plants. Yeah. Um, and there was just a handful. I mean, maybe it was like, four or five people that came out and helped us the okay. first year. Um, and then we were like, this is kind of cool. You know, this is really fun inviting people out and we had a good time. So then the next year, um, I think we grew 6,000 plants. So we had, um, we invited customers, family and friends to come out and went a little bit bigger. Yeah. The next year we had 12,000 plants. We invited a little bit bigger. Last year, I think we had, and again, this is not nothing advertised. We're not selling mm -hmm. tickets or anything like that. It's, it's just like customers, right? It's just friends, family, customers that yeah. like we meet face to face. Again, all of our customers are face to face customers. And we're just like, hey, next weekend we're doing, we're harvesting. Come on mm -hmm. out if you want, you know, bring a dish to share. 
And um, last year, I think we had like 90 people come out. Wow. Um, and it started with like five? Yeah, it started with like five. And so people are just really um, enjoying that experience. And, um, and then we also have parties throughout the year. We just have little gatherings, little get-togethers. And we'll just tell, you know, again, family, friends, customers, Friday, we're going to be hanging out. Again, yeah. we're going to put some soup on. Come on over. We're going to be trimming. So they'll come out and help us trim, or they'll come out and help us buck. Mm -hmm. um, we've even, I think you, the first time you came out on the farm and volunteered, you helped grind the flour. In the, the grow grind, tent. Or the grow oh tent. my goodness. You helped us grind we Okay, flour. I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh -huh. um, I came in to help the boys one day, and they're like, okay, we're going to be working in this tent. And how big is this tent? It was like... Four by six, maybe. Filled with a few huge barrels in it and this weird contraption that I'm like, what the heck? And then they, like, basically hazmat gear me. They're mm -hmm. like, put the suit on, put the gloves on, put, you know, mask, hat, mask, gears. everything. And I'm like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and so we close up the tent and we start and we were grinding. Flour. Flour. Yeah. yeah. Basically into just, you know, powdery keef. Um to then be turned into oil, right? Yeah, yeah that's what we so, did to send it in. It was a few hours in that tent, and yeah. we did a lot. And I remember afterwards taking everything off, and I just I smelled very, very potent the rest of the day. <laughs> and I was blowing pollen out of my nose for probably <laughs> three days. Even though you were all geared up. Oh, yeah, I just work. threw that yeah. gear, though. And, yeah. yeah, that was the first time I came that out was and the volunteered. That came out and volunteered. And then was, now you're running the show. <laughs> now you're running the show. Definitely an experience that uh, yeah. that will stick with me. It was very cool. Yeah. So it's super fun. And then we also have customers that just come by as personal therapy. They come and trim. Yeah. So they just come on a regular basis. That's why we have here on the table, we have a bunch of trim stuff set out. And we have some customers, they're kind of self-service. They come so often. They just come in. They walk in. They make themselves a copy. They put some CBD in it, they they go and get, they know where the flower is, they go and get the untrimmed flower, they bring it in, they set up all their, I mean, it's like, I don't even have to do anything. Yeah. They set up all their tools, they sit and trim for a couple hours and just kind of, I let them put on whatever music they want to listen to and mm -hmm. it's just like a super chill ses session. And then we usually give them some free flower, you know, yeah. as a thank you for coming by and, and helping out and then they'll take some smokable flower home. And uh, a lot of people stop by and do that, and we welcome, you know, customers to come by anytime, and we'll put in the work. <laughs> it's a yeah. very therapeutic thing. Like, I'm sitting here, you know, rolling this, and just, like, touching flour. I find it super therapeutic, and I've heard that from other people as well. Yeah. So if we can provide that, I'm like, hey, I'm here all day. If that's your therapy, and, you know, this is this is a safe space for me. You know, it's cozy. I love being here, and if other people see that as well, I'm like, yes, please let me share it with you. you For know? people listening, Jordan's got a tray of ground flour in front of her, and there's like six the pre-roll tubes, and she's rolling joints. And when she sat down, I was like, oh, what are you rolling? She said, Trump runs. 
And then she told me, she goes, I'm rolling it because I'm nervous about this interview. And this really relaxes me. It's and calming. Me. It is a yeah. nice calming thing to do. Just, you know. Yeah. So all you knitters out there, all you who knit, consider consider rolling joints. I do crochet yeah. as well. But if you want to bring your crochet, if you want to come and knit and have stock farms, yeah, you can you do can that crochet, too. Yeah, you crochet, you can roll joints. Yeah, whatever, you, yeah. Know. whatever yeah. you want to do. Yeah. Um, all right, so... For the people that do want to come out and uh, see you guys, tell me where you're at, how they can get a hold of you, all, yeah. that, all that good stuff. Um, just Google Hempstock Farms, spelled with a P-H, P-H-A-R-M-S, and you can find us. We're about a mile and a half outside the town square of Woodstock, Illinois. It's in McHenry County. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, Google us. I don't need to say the address. Um uh, we do have an online store, so you can kind of preview some of our products online. We don't offer everything online. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, our full lineup is on the farm. Yeah. Um, but um, the farm, us up. The farm is a little tucked away. We've got an open flag out at the end of the road, but you know, for it's a red farm. Tractor. So yeah, just keep your eyes peeled. Look for the red tractor and the open flag, and yeah. you'll see us. Yeah, we got a farm all tractor parked out front, and yeah, you'll find us. Yeah, here. you're. you're I, I used my uh, Apple Maps, whatever I got yeah. here just fine. So, <laughs> yeah. um, all right, Stacy Jordan, thank you so much. Thank uh, you, Matt. Appreciate you having me out here. It was fun. Absolutely, thank you. Welcome back, everybody. How was your ride? I kind of feel like it's like a roller coaster. When you get back into the station, and they're like, "How was your ride?" And people are supposed to cheer. Woo! So you can cheer if you want. I can't hear it. But um, anyways, um, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Hemstock and Jordan and Stacy. Um, they were a lot of fun. Uh, you know, one of the, I get I get a couple cool perks with doing this podcast. Number one, I get to meet a ton of people um, and make some pretty cool connections, and also like you know meet some people that are just fun, fun to be around. Um, Stacy and Jordan are are two of my favorite people um, that I've met doing this uh, podcast. And mind you, I mean, we are 50 episodes in and um, that, so I've met at least 50 new people (laughs) Um, at least. And that's not to mention the people who have uh, been a part of putting, helping me get the episode together, like someone who put me in contact with somebody else and so on and so forth, or just other people that worked at um, a certain place. Like I, I just recall uh, Studio D um, in Woodstock. I've met uh, a few people that work there. Um, uh, Jennifer, who helped me uh, meet up with them, um, and also a few other places in Woodstock as well. Uh, so um, my point being that uh, it's fun to meet new people, and some some of the personalities are just amazing and just fun people to be around. Um, and I can definitely say that when we get into uh, next season, the ones that I have done already um, are going to be awesome. So, um, yeah, (laughs) the other perk, I was like, lost my train of thought there. Um, the other perk is that I get to go home with some cool stuff sometimes. Uh, occasionally like I'll get like, someone will give me a t-shirt. I got one from Siren Records. Um, but they, you know, kind of friends of mine, um, which I, I think, I think I need a new Siren Records t-shirt. Mine's starting to fade. I wear it a lot. Um, but also, um, at Hempstock, I got to go home with some stickers, um, some merch from them, um, one of their CBD drinks. Um, so yeah, I get I get some cool perks doing the podcast, um, which I enjoy. I'm not going to turn it down, to be honest. 
it's fun. Um, but yeah, so season six I'm rolling with right now. I got four recorded, um, ready to go um, for when the season does come out. Um, once I have an idea of when that season's going to start, I'm going to let you guys know. Don't worry. Um, but the, the way, the best way for you to find out, because I do take my break um, in between the seasons really to record more. Um, so I'm not like, you're not going to hear it on an episode. You're going you're gonna to have to go to the Facebook page, like the Facebook page, follow it. And um, that's usually generally when I announce the uh, new season start date. Um, but don't forget also to uh, check out uh, our sponsor, um, McHenry County Living. The podcast is on McHenry County Living's Facebook page. So if that's a, an, another way for you to listen to it, there it is right there. Just click on the podcast link and then there I am. Um, I was going to tell you a little bit about the next episode because, um, and it's the last episode of the season. And I, I, I honestly, I placed the first episode and the last episode in these spots because that's where I want them. <laughs> um, this one, and it was... I believe I'm just trying to think that doesn't matter. I was thinking like, is this, this the last episode that I've actually recorded for this season? And it was, um, so there was a book that was written. I don't remember the year off the top of my head right now, but I read it. Um, and it was called murder in McHenry and it is about, um, Paul Scharf and more uh, is the writer, but it's about his father, um, who had a bar in McHenry. Um, as the title suggests, his father gets murdered. Um, and so we talk about it. And this happened a long time ago. Um, when I started the podcast, uh, I was trying to think of people that I wanted to be on the podcast. And this was before I really started like reaching out to anybody. Um, because the fir whole first season is really just me reaching out to others. And um, for the most part, like who I wanted to be on the podcast. And I thought about, and this is one of the ones I thought about was this book. I'm like, well, this author is obviously from this area. It was a really interesting read. Um, so I reached out to him. Never got a response. Now, mind you, this podcast is, I think we're, I think we're coming up on two years. Yeah. Towards the end of this year will be two years that I started the podcast. So two, roughly two years ago, well, we're going to call it, we're going to call it one one year ago, just because of the timeline of like when he reached out to me. So Paul is apparently not on Facebook very often. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he finally responded to my message and um, said, hey, yeah, I would love to be on the podcast. And so um, Paul, Paul unfortunately does not live in the area anymore. So we did a Zoom interview, but I was super intrigued by this because it was a book that I had read ahead of time. And that was about something that happened in this area. Um, so that's going to be the last episode of the current season. It's called Murder in McHenry. The book is, um, like I said, older. Um, it's hard to find. Um, if you do want to read it, you might, if you want to read this before the next episode, which is the main reason I'm talking about it now, um, go to a bookstore that can order it for you. Um, I think it's still in print. Um, I tried to even find my copy and I did, I, I don't believe I did find my copy, but, um, I have it somewhere. But yeah, um, check Amazon. Last time I checked Amazon, there was like a couple copies on there. But anyways, if you are interested in reading it, then search it out. You got a couple weeks to try to find it. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it for me. I, <laughs> I find myself babbling as I look at the time and how long I've been talking on the 
exit part of the podcast, and it's been too long already. Anyways, so guys, um, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one. Keep listening on to the next one. Um, we got four seasons of podcasts for you to listen to if you've missed any of them. Um, yeah, so that's it. I'm Matt. If you want to get a hold of me, left at the like pod at gmail.com. That's going to be the best way. Or check out the Facebook page and follow me there. You can message me through that Facebook page of Left at the Light. And that's it for me. All right. So um, have a great week, you guys. We'll talk to you next time on the uh, season finale. Bye-bye.